All right, well, this is for Friday, October 15th, 2021. I'm Steven Sersky. Thanks for joining me. And today, uh, yeah, maybe it was the beers or maybe it was the few shots of Baijo's, uh, Baijo I had uh, prior to going to bed. But I'll tell you, my head hurt. <laughs> Waking up um, after last night's uh, Great Leap uh, visit. Uh, yeah, we uh, we did try, I did try a few of the beers. Um, and yeah, I did have a, a couple of sips of that Baijo that I bought at uh, the uh, the old street there. Not too bad. And you know what? Uh, as a traveler, you just kind of hydrate and you, you move on, basically. There's just nothing much more that you can do other than prevent it from happening next time, right? Today's goal was to see the pandas, the pandas of China. Now, if you've ever heard China before, <laughs> you've probably heard of pandas. Uh, they do boast about them quite a bit. And I remember when they uh, visited my hometown when I was a kid. This was years ago. And there's two things I uh, remember in particular about that visit. Number one was that the, uh, the Winnipeg Zoo uh, painted panda paws along the sidewalk. And the reason I remember this so much is because they stayed there forever. It was like the pandas never left, even though they did. So the, they were there for only a short period of time, uh, and then they were returned, I guess, to China. I'm not sure which pandas were visiting either, to tell you the truth. I could probably look that up. It'd be kind of neat to know. Uh, but uh, the, the the painted panda paws on the, uh, the sidewalk remained. And I remember thinking... That's kind of weird that the show, there, there's such a remnant of the show that never seems to leave. Like, why wouldn't they clean the sidewalks properly to, you know, close that chapter to completely get rid of that that sort of episode of the zoo? Then, you know, and there's the other side of the coin was like, maybe it's a, a constant reminder of the uh, event that had happened. And it's a very small thing, but it was one of the, 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 the few bits that I remember of the pandas visiting. I don't remember the pandas themselves. I also remember, I th- there was a, I guess there was like a souvenir book, but then there was also a panda ice cream. And I was telling my girlfriend about this. It's like, this is one of the things I actually, uh, is very clear memory because it was the only time that they sold this type of ice cream and what it had was that it, it was sold in a, a brick format. So it was like, I don't know, six inches high and, you know, 12 inches uh, deep sort of thing that uh, or something like that. You know, it was it was a brick of ice cream and uh, it had the shape of a panda in black and white. And then on the outside of the panda, it was pink. So it was like your Neapolitan ice cream, basically, uh, but with black ice cream, not chocolate. And then it had vanilla and then strawberry. So I just remember this this ice cream, and I was kind of looking for uh, some sort of something similar in Chengdu this time. I couldn't find anything. The closest thing that we found to panda ice cream was at the uh, 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 Xuanzai, uh, or the Xiangzi uh, old neighborhood there, where we did buy one ice cream on a stick that looked like a panda, but it was chocolate flavor, and uh, there was no strawberry, sadly. Uh, and no vanilla, actually, so that that was kind of uh, disappointing as well. But, I mean, and they had the full likeness of the panda, not just the face. Anyway, so those were the two things, and this was, uh, this wasn't the reason I came to Chengdu to see the pandas to recreate this, this childhood memory. It was 
like finally I've been in the country for so long, it was time to actually go see these pandas that are boasted about, bragged about, talked about quite a bit. And the uh, the one place that you're supposed to go see them or that they're famous for being seen is in Chengdu. Now, they do have pandas around the country in different zoos. So they've, they've diversified their holdings of pandas. Uh, it is a vulnerable species now. The uh, WHO no longer considers it to be endangered uh, as it has... It's risen some percentage point in the last couple of uh, couple of years, uh, which puts it just above endangered into the vulnerable uh, aspect, category, qualification. Um, so they do have, like this one, they have pandas in Beijing, uh, but uh, they, I mean, you'd have to go to the zoo for it, of course. Um, and I'm not sure how many. I've never, I've never been to the Beijing Animal Zoo, to tell you the truth. So I, I, I actually don't know entirely. Um, but Chengdu is your famous, your famous uh, pilgrimage to see the pandas. And so that's what we were going to do. We were going to see the pandas at the China National Research Center for Pandas. Or Panda National Research Center. National Panda Research Center? Oh, goodness. Whatever it's called. Anyway. One thing I can say is that uh, if you do go uh, and you want like a, a, the cheapest souvenir possible of uh, of the day, um, other than buying your your panda headband that uh, we bought in the uh, the nary, in the alleyways uh, district, those were only they were five kwai and it was like a little um, headband with in the shape of a panda. So the the two ears were actually little panda faces, and it's kind of cute. Uh, they had the more expensive one. I think that was 15 kwai that actually had a panda head itself, uh, almost like a, a doll head. We just bought the little cotton ball with black stickers on it. That's good enough. We got the cute pictures, and that's that's all that really mattered with that one. We wore them all day, and shocking of shocks, a lot of people were wearing them. So it's not like you were like that foreigner wearing the headband. It was like... If you don't have it, you kind of look out of place. <laughs> um, but to get back to the cheapest souvenir possible, like the entrance ticket to the park, um, if you are Chinese, this is more of a problem because you can you can buy your ticket online, but then you won't get a ticket at the door. If you're a foreigner, you have to go uh, to the, the, the door itself and buy your ticket. You have to buy a physical ticket there. You cannot buy online. So, uh, and the only real issue that this presents is then how do you get uh, to the park itself? You either drive or you take the shuttle bus. Getting to the park isn't very difficult. Uh, we were staying near uh, People's Park, so it was it was one transfer, I think, in the subway. Uh, it took us about 40 minutes to get there uh, from downtown uh, Chengdu. And... You get out of the subway station, I think you turn right, and it's right there. <laughs> so it's very easy to see uh, where the shuttle bus takes off, and the shuttle bus takes you directly to uh, the park or to the front of the park. Um, and the park is pretty big. It's actually uh, it's a huge area. It covers a substantial difference, uh, a distance. The thing that will happen is that they will encourage you to then buy a ticket or stand in line and buy a ticket for the uh, the golf carts that go to the top of the mountain. So it is kind of a mountain, but don't let that deceive you. It's a mountain, but it's more like a hill, a large hill mountain. They'll say it's a really far distance to walk. And yes, if you're not used to walking, or if you have a baby carriage, 
it might be a little bit daunting. And I, I mentioned that because there were a lot of parents there pushing up baby carriages. They were having a good time of it, though. They didn't seem to be struggling too much. But yeah, it can add some weight or some difficulty to your uh, your trip. So the ticket cost, I think it was 55 quai that I paid. And I got this physical ticket, which is great. Um, a cheap little souvenir there. Um, and then from there, we uh, walked into the park, looked at the line to get into this golf cart. And it was literally... <laughs> there was a bend in the road. We went around the bend, and it bended. It, it bent again, and it was it was all uh, no, 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 no. We are not waiting an hour to take a golf cart to the top of the mountain. We'll just walk it. And it was like it was uh, probably a, a mile, so uh, one and a half kilometers up to the top of the mountain, which sounds daunting. But then once you get going, I mean, there's plateaus along the way like there's little uh, it, it's not just straight up and it's not very vertical uh, and some portions they actually have built stairs into like those wide stairs that you step up two steps and then you go six feet you step up another two steps and you go another six feet something like that uh, so it wasn't overly difficult we weren't carrying very much with us either so it wasn't like we had a lot of a burden the one thing I would advise you that if you are going to go is to bring snacks with you. This is what we forgot to do. And this is partially my fault uh, for not really appreciating sort of where we were going and how the uh, the, uh, the zoo was laid out. They tell you don't feed the pandas. like So don't be throwing food to them. Um, they actually regulate what these pandas eat uh, very carefully. So you can't be throwing like, you know, bits and pieces of candy and bread or anything like that at these uh, at these animals which means that they don't sell snacks along the way they sell drinks out of vending machines but they have no snacks so if you think you're going to be hungry bring food they also said that this panda research center visit would only be about a half day uh that's not true um it's a half day if you are getting driven around everywhere but if you're walking and you're seeing all of the different enclosures it's a full day. We got there at 9 or so in the morning, and we didn't leave until about 4. So, but we went, I mean, we took our time. Um, we didn't, uh, like, we, we went and saw everything. We didn't stop for lunch, because, again, there were no lunch places in the park, like, deep into the park, but there were on the outskirts of the park. So, at the, uh, sort of near the entrance or exit, there was a few snack stalls and uh, some restaurants there. Um, with typical Chinese food, uh, hit or miss. We didn't we didn't stay. We we got some noodles at the end of the day because we were just that hungry. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're going to be walking all day, don't expect there to be snack vending machines at all. No panda ice creams, sadly. Um, so bring your own snacks into the park, which you're allowed to do. You can all, and if you don't bring anything with you, you can buy them at the entrance. There's a there's a little supermarket there. So uh, just be aware of that if you are planning to spend the day there. Uh, so we walked up, and uh, it wasn't again. It wasn't very difficult. I don't know how long it took us. It didn't take us that long. Um, so it, it, the weather was very nice. It was cooperative. It was cool. Uh, which is what the pandas like. They like to be under 20 degrees, I think, Celsius, uh, which is why they live up in the mountains. Uh, but uh, the first sort of stop that you would make is the, uh, uh, it's the I think it's the birthing room. It's not the birthing room. What do they call it? There's a certain name. Uh, the Moonlight 
Delivery Center. Delivery Center, I think that's what it's called. Uh, it's called number one. And then they have several other places um, that uh, sort of say, uh, like Panda Research Center one or two or three. Uh, maybe there's no three, but there is a one and two. Uh, and then also they have um, red pandas. In, in the mountains as well. There's not as many red pandas as there are big pandas. Like the giant panda is the one, the black and white one that everyone knows. It's very famous. Um, the red panda is the little one that looks, reminds me of the Tanuki suit from Super Mario Brothers 3. There's my, there's my millennial um, relation right there. Uh, so it's, uh, they have two enclosures of the red pandas and then a lot more of the giant pandas. So the, uh, one that we started off with, uh, there we go, that's, this is the name, Moonlight Delivery House for Giant Pandas. Uh, so that's number 20 on the map that they provide or that they give you. And that's the one that you would first drive to if you took the golf cart. And the reason why you go there is because that one's the highest up in the mountain. And then you would start walking down uh, towards the number two house and uh, also the number one house for the giant pandas. The number one house was kind of depressing. Uh, it was only one panda. Um, who was like sitting amongst fake foliage and just eating bamboo and then sitting there looking at us is kind of odd. Uh, number number two house for giant pandas. That one was okay, uh, but again, a little bit sort of like, wow, these guys, uh, hmm, what sort of life do they lead here? The Moonlight Delivery Room was it is had two parts to it. So, and each each of these... Um, bases, these little houses for the pandas, uh, had two parts. There was the inside and the outside. So the inside is your temper control, temperature controlled, air conditioned or heated, uh, or whatever it is, uh, interior with a lot of um, sort of play structures for the, the pandas, uh, and but noticeably four concrete walls and then a window on one side that we could look through. Uh, and when we got to the Moonlight Delivery, it was um, easy to see. The pandas were right there where they were eating. Uh, we got there early enough that we could uh, see them uh, chomping down on their uh, their bamboo. And that is one thing that they say to do is to show up early in the morning because that's when the pandas are most active. And we noticed that change um, from 9 o'clock or 9.30 when we first saw the pandas to 11.30 when we were making our way through the different enclosures. That in the morning... They were all active. They were eating very noisily, uh, going through their bamboo allocation for the day. And then by 11.30, they were all up in the trees, lying around like a lazy bear. <laughs> it was, uh, was kind of comical. It was like they almost overate, and they were like, oh, I got to go sit. <laughs> I got to lie down and have a nap after this one. That's kind of what it seemed like they were doing. But um, uh, so we got there, and... I was actually kind of amazed at how much bamboo that they were going through in that, like it seemed that there were shells of bamboo, like a bamboo, uh, what do you call it? Like it's the wheat and chaff, like the chaff of bamboo all over the place. They weren't, it seemed like they were just kind of chewing it and then like discarding most of it. It kind of makes me wonder how much of the, the bamboo plant is actually edible. It doesn't look like it very much because they, they would literally just bite through it and then throw it away. <laughs> what are you eating? I mean, 
and they have to eat a lot of it because I mean they are large animals. The other thing though is that the their dige- they don't digest it very well, which I mean I guess I'm looking at this going. So why does evolution give you this taste for bamboo, and then your body doesn't even digest it very well? That doesn't make sense. Something's something's wrong here uh, with this evolutionary thing. Um, I don't know that it was just a thought that was going through my mind. Um, but there were again, so with the, the two part enclosures, the inside is where like this fir- these first sets of pandas were uh, eating, and then you walk out, you continue out, and then there's the exterior portion of the uh, the, the base, and this is where we saw some of the pandas already lying down, and then also two little babies pandas who were i guess they'd be about three months two months they were they looked like pandas uh which is important because as you will learn at the uh, the delivery base the 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 life the early stages of of a panda they are tiny little creatures uh they are born like pink slugs basically uh bigger than slugs um you know what is it like those little they look like toys, I'm not going to lie. Little rubber toys uh, that you'd give to a child. Um, they're pink and they kind of have no, barely any eyes, and they no fur, nothing at all. They're tiny little things, uh, which is surprising given the size that they grow into. And then over the first couple of weeks, that's when they uh, start growing their their trademark, their, their uh, uh, famous black and white hair. And then by a month, two months, they they actually look like little panda cut, little panda bears. And it's not until about three months, two months, three months that they actually open their eyes, I think. Um, and that's when maybe it's a month. I can't remember. I can't remember the exact time. Uh, but uh, they it takes them a while to actually. It's like they're half born. When they're born, they're only half wait halfway there. And then they grow a little bit more, and then that's only by about month three are they actually walking around or uh, uh, able to actually start f- like noticing their mother. I think they don't start eating bamboo until one year old or something, and then by six years old they actually they, they're supposed to have their own uh, territory that they would uh, that they would have, which. It's kind of odd because you don't uh, uh, equate the giant panda with any sort of violence. They are wild animals, uh, so like there are signs that saying like don't reach in, don't go in there, don't try to pet them. I mean these are wild animals; you don't know what they're going to do, uh, and they aren't as cute and cuddly as uh, up close and personal as you might think they are. So they do warn people: don't feed them, don't try to touch them, just leave them alone, let them do their thing, let them eat. Uh, so that was the the moonlight delivery area. And again, there's a few other uh, places that you can see the pandas in there. Some of them were walking around. Um, and out of all of them, I think there was like five or six different enclosures dedicated to these pandas. Uh, I mean, there was the, the big moonlight delivery uh, center. There's the delivery center for the red panda as well. Um, and sort of as you walk down from the mountain... The the roads kind of take you to where you need to be, but it can be confusing because you'll one tree looks the same as another tree. Uh, the safest sort of thing is to understand that as long as you're going downhill, you you you're probably going in the right direction. If you're going uphill, you might have made a wrong turn, which just means you get to go see the pandas again. And so this is one thing that 
we really took our time with. We didn't really care uh, whether or not we rushed through it. We wanted to, like, the day was meant to see the pandas and to see uh, the whole thing. So we made sure to go to all the enclosures and take a look. Overall, it was it was a very neat uh, look at how the pandas are kept. Um, they are kept in natural surroundings, even though they do have that sort of uh, that enclosure space that they can go into during the summer months when it gets a little bit warmer, uh, a little bit hotter, I should say. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're free roaming. It doesn't look like they do very much, to tell you the truth. Um, they just sat around eating and then they walked and they climbed up a tree and then they sat down and they went to sleep. Some of them paced back and forth. One of them paced back and forth. That was it. The uh, Another one. Oh, the big event was watching one of them take a shit. It was kind of funny because there was a large crowd of people, of course. Uh, and we were only about six feet away or maybe ten feet away from these uh, uh, these, these bears, the, the pandas. And one of them got up walked over, took a dump, and then sat down right beside it. <laughs> and, and more than a few people were recording it. Um, so, highlight of the day, I guess? No. <laughs> but the fact, you know, that he just took a dump right in front of everybody. Yeah, there you go. One thing that you could see, though, was that the pandas would often have their backs to you. And, like, this guy literally took a dump... Uh, with his ass facing the crowd, uh, almost to say like, "Yeah, you guys are gonna watch this? Go ahead." <laughs> uh, but all throughout, all the pens, most of them, especially like inside the delivery uh, delivery area, um, they they just didn't look at the crowd. Like it would take a while for them to get up, turn around, and then actually face the crowd. But they wouldn't do it for very long. It was especially when they were eating. It seemed that they were sort of. Um, just not interested in uh, being seen by anybody else. There was one panda later on that did literally sit balls out uh, and face us. I th- no, maybe, sorry. I assume it was a man or a guy, but I'm not sure. Uh, I wasn't looking too closely, but he sat there in his pile of uh, bamboo leaves, uh, bamboo shoots, and just chomping away on them. Uh, so he was quite okay with people taking pictures of him and staring at him as he stared at us while he was chewing his uh, his bamboo. Uh, they all have names. They all are all, they're all tracked. They're all uh, well cared for as, as far as I can tell. Uh, so yeah, all the pens have the, the name and a picture and the birth date of the panda, uh, the pandas in that enclosure. And I don't, I guess, I'm not sure why they keep them in different, different enclosures. Maybe it's for you know to just to keep everything organized and to be able to know who's who and where who's where and where they're supposed to be sort of thing. Um, maybe for research and for uh, purposes basically. Uh, but uh, yeah, the there's names all over the place uh, for for each one. A little bit of a description of their personality, which was odd because they, a lot of them said. A lot of them were saying that this one is good to play with. Uh, this one gets along with his uh, his uh, dorm mates, uh, area environment environment mates. Um, the other ones are a bit moody, or one was moody and the other one uh, didn't really was very lazy or something like that. I'm not sure how they really came up with these descriptions. 
I also don't know how they were distinguishing all of them. They said this one is characteristic with a black nose. I'm like, they all have black noses, don't they? <laughs> so I, I'm not entirely sure how they would be able to uh, distinguish one from another. Not going to lie, after a while, we kind of got sick of looking at pandas. It wasn't so much sick of looking at pandas. It was tired of all the walking. Like We literally did... Like, again, we got there at 9 or 9, 8, 8.30, 9 o'clock, and we walked the entire day to see these pandas from up uphill, downhill, all the hills, uh, around and around, taking a look at them. So, yeah, by about halfway through, you're just like, oh, my, are we, are we, uh, are we done yet? <laughs> Which was good because it meant that we had been very thorough in our appreciation of the pandas. We also stopped off at a few of the uh, uh, like uh, souvenir places, thinking about what to buy. I got some postcards I should be able to send out to a few people, uh, but we didn't buy anything else. I was looking for a shirt. You remember that I, I wanted to buy a shirt. I couldn't because it, they didn't fit. Even th- they had the XL versions, and even those were too tight. And that's because of the the sizing for this uh, this region. The XL, I need XXL, I think, if it's made in the Asian region. If it's not, then it can be a little bit uh, smaller, I guess. But yeah, there's a really neat kind of sh- uh, neat shirt with all these pandas on it. But uh, yeah, no, it just wasn't going to happen. And I wasn't going to buy it with the idea, oh, I'll lose weight. No, uh, that's never happened. It won't ever happen. I don't buy clothing for, uh, that I will fit uh, by shrinking. I, if anything, I'd buy clothing that I would fit by growing, (laughs) if that sort of makes sense. Uh, so all that being said, it took us, oh, I don't know how long, nine until four, seven hours to walk through the whole park. It was good. Can't complain. Uh, we got our money's worth for what? $10 Canadian, 55 Kwai, uh, plus the tickets, um, the one thing that was a little bit troublesome was getting out of the park and getting back. You can actually take a shuttle from the uh, the research base back into the city. Uh, and that same shuttle actually will stop off at a bunch of different tourist areas. So even if you started at one of the tourist areas, you could take the shuttle to the, the research base. It returns there. Um, but it only leaves once the bus is full. So you kind of have to uh, uh, you know, take the chance of like, how long will you wait? You can hire a car um, or there's another bus as well, I think, that uh, uh, goes, like there's the mini bus and there's the big bus. The big bus leaves when it's full. The mini bus leaves on a little bit more regular basis because it only goes to the, the, uh, the subway station nearby. But the big bus goes to the different tourist spots. So just be aware of that when you're uh, getting your ticket to uh, leave the, uh, the the place there, leave the research base. I should mention uh, one thing that seems to have been newly built towards uh, the exit of the park is a museum dedicated to uh, the pandas and how they were found, how they were actually discovered. This was kind of interesting because it was a few Western explorers who came to China in the late 19th century and they were, I guess they'd heard of the panda and they were looking for it. So they went out into the bush to find them and they did. There was a famous one that went to London in... Uh, 1950s or 1960s maybe yeah maybe 1950s 
possibly 1940s. Only because, and, and it, that's important, only because the the bear, this guy had come over to China, saw the panda, and was like, I'll get one. <laughs> I, I'd like one. I'll trade you these animals, giraffes, um, some other animals, and some birds, um, to for this panda, and which is kind of odd. Like, where were you holding these animals that you were able to trade uh, your your animal cards uh, for the giant panda card? Uh, it wasn't just cards; it was the actual animals. Uh, so the, the the China gave this guy the the panda. He took the panda. He was supposed to give it to or sell it to a New York zoo, which was going to pay him $25,000 for it. But they said no, because at that time, it was the beginning of the Cold War, I guess. And so there he is in London with this giant panda going, oh, fuck, am I going to do with a panda? You know, I traded my giraffes away for this one, man. And now they don't want it. So he took it on tour um, throughout Europe. And one of the stops was obviously in London. And it was it was a Chichi, I think that was the name of the the panda. And so uh, he takes it on tour, and this it was the beginning of sort of the Western look uh, of this this animal from uh, from China. Um, there was another lady, a fashion designer, who also uh, had took some pandas back. Is it London or New York? I can't remember which one she went back to. Um, but so this museum talked about two or three different Western people who had come over to China, uh, acquired a panda, and then took them back to the homelands, to their lands, to their uh, their countries, and showed them around. It wasn't until the 1980s or so that the, uh, the research center was set up. So the panda was only discovered in uh, like... 1890s or something like somewhere around around there uh, late 19th century um it wasn't into common sort of uh like public eye until like 1950s and then sometime around like in between that time and the 1980s they became endangered animals because of some sort of like the you know china's development and the development of uh different uh, areas around the world specifically in the uh, the asian area so from there, they they set up this research base, and that's when they started tagging them. They had to go find them and tag them. Uh, and this was kind of neat because we're talking 1980s, no cell phones, terrible satellite reception. I mean, there wasn't the roads weren't even built. They talk about pioneering attitudes, pioneering spirit. Crazy, insane what they must have gone through. Uh, they would go away for months at a time. Uh, they're bundled up and they would just go out into the wild and try to find a panda bear. I mean, it's one thing nowadays to go live overseas. Um, to think back what it was like just 40 years ago where you don't have a cell phone and your camera, I mean, it's massive and your job is to find an animal <laughs> and then tag that animal. Ah. <sighs> What a life that would be. Very interesting. Not sure I'd do it. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole new level of bravery. Whole new level of uh, gumption, I guess you'd say. Uh, so that was a I mean, neat little museum. It was three floors uh, tall. Um, other than that, they had an, a 3D uh, theater in there as well, like a like a theater production sort of thing or a movie production. 
movie screen, there we go, uh, that they had a couple of movies playing. Not all the time, it was only every now and then, so you had to show up at the right time, uh, or else you would you would miss it, basically. They wouldn't let me in because I was two minutes late, which is terrible. I'm like, I came from Canada this far to see this movie, and they're like, that's fine, you, we still can't let you in. <laughs> uh, I didn't actually complain, I did think about it, but I'm like, you know what, I'm done walking, the only reason I really want to go into the theater is to sit down, and I can just go do that over there. So that's what I ended up uh, doing anyway. Anyway, so that was the uh, the visit to the Panda, Panda Center. Uh, highly recommended, I'll tell you. It was a very good trip. Again, we got sick of pandas, which was a good thing, because we did spend a lot of time looking at them uh, and seeing a bunch of different pandas. They all look the same, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I couldn't tell one from another, but... We saw all the pandas available on display at the Chengdu Research Center. So, yes to us. After the Panda Research Center, given that we've been walking for seven or eight hours already, um, I fell asleep on the bus um, from the Panda Center to Chuan Si Lu. So, it's a shopping district. And one of the main draws of it is a giant panda. And this giant panda is stuck on the side of a building. So, you, and you can see it, you can, it's by the IFC, the International Finance uh, Center. You walk in, uh, you get towards Chuan Si Lu, and you look up. You don't even have to look up. You can, from down the street, you can see, hey, there's a panda stuck to a building. It's massive, like King Kong-sized panda, right? And it's stuck there. It's crawling over the, the, the building. And so what you do is that you go into this mall, shopping mall, expensive items and everything, uh, you go up to the seventh floor, and then uh, there's a restaurant and everything. But on the edge of this building is a panda, and you go take your picture with it. There was a lineup, and it, I guess it was kind of an official lineup, but not a real official lineup. There was a, like a, a security guard sort of making sure that no one punched each other. Uh, but there was like 20 people in line, and it was moving very slow because every person was getting up there to take a picture alone in front of this animal, or in front of this uh, this statue. And I was like, you know what? Uh, we could just stand over here. Uh, and if we shift the camera this way, we can cut the people out. And done. That was it. We didn't wait in line. I, I did think of it, but I'm you know, you know, we're here. We must do this. We only have one chance. Uh, but uh, no, instead we're like, no, my, my our backs hurt. <laughs> my legs hurt. We're getting hungry. We should probably go eat something already. Uh, so that's what we ended up doing. We walked around. Uh, and so Chuan Shi Lu is just this shopping district. We had tacos for dinner, um, which is not very chinese but we hadn't been eating very much all day. So we're like, we'll just get some of this. They're very good. Uh, and then added a supplement with uh, some chuar and uh, I can't remember. We had probably one other thing as well. It was good enough. Uh, but at the end of this, I mean... Uh, we, we we got dropped off at Chuan Shi Lu and we're looking at the pathway and by the time we walked through Chuan Shi Lu, which is again just a walking shopping district, we were pretty much already at People's Square. So we're like, well, we may as well walk to People's Square, have a look around. Um, which the, the we were there just as the lights turned on, which was neat. So I I thought they would light Mao up sooner, like at at, at dusk exactly, but I guess they don't. They light them up a little bit later when the lights, when the sunlight completely disappears. Uh, so, and and the other thing is that they leave the flag up, which 
uh, at Tiananmen Square and other places. They take the flag down every day at dusk, which I I, I was waiting there, waiting for them to uh, take the flag down. They never did. So I'm no no doubt the security guard was wondering why I was hanging around the flag so much. So I'm just sitting there going, well, when are you guys going to take it down? You, aren't you supposed It's dusk. It's 628. Where are the guards? <laughs> Where's the procession across the street? Nothing. Flag was still up there at night. It was there during the day. They never took it down. I guess maybe it's they might do it every now and then, maybe for National Day or something like that. But uh, uh, overall, that uh, that flag just stays there in, in the People's Square. Uh, we were still hungry after that, so we uh, we did go to Pizza Hut. There you go. So we had tacos and pizza. How Chinese? How Chengdu is that? It's fine. We I mean we had so much spicy hot pot before uh, the days previous and other street food that we, it was okay to have some of this from time to time. Anyway, uh, after that, we walked back from uh, the uh, Pizza Hut to uh, the hotel, and that was pretty much it. I got some sound clips for you. I have some sounds of a panda, and then I also have a sound clip of the panda eating. So um, at the museum, they had the different calls of the panda, and I guess these researchers who had spent um, lots of time with these pandas were able to record the different voices that uh, or different sounds that the panda makes and so i recorded some of them and then also i have um, a panda eating the one that was okay with just sitting uh sitting staring at us while eating <laughs> again we were staring back at him i got a, a sound clip of, of him eating too so you can uh, listen to a, a pound a panda eating his food eating bamboo there you go hope you guys enjoyed that that was our day out at the uh National Panda Research Center in Chengdu, uh, very much worth the uh, the visit. Would it be worth it if you were just visiting like the big three, like uh, Beijing, Shanghai, uh, Guilin, or Shenzhen? I'm not sure if it would be worth it. If you're out going out to Xi'an, maybe worth uh, a, a day trip, like a flying down or something, or two or two days. But yeah, it, overall, pretty neat, pretty cool. I'm glad we did it. It ticks the box and certainly satisfies at least one of the requirements of uh, living in China for this long. Anyway, I'll put up uh, the show notes on my website, stephenserski.com. Have a look. Thank you very much for listening. We'll leave it there. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.